building. Let's give God a hand clap. A hand clap of praise. Now, that was a hand clap. But can we give God a hand clap of praise? Your praise is usually an announcement of how good God has been, has been in your life. Is it, is it anybody in the building that God has been good to, despite you? So come on, let's give God a hand clap. I mean, if you understand the, mag, the magnitude of the blessings that he has bestowed upon your life, if you, if you understand how he has kept you from day to day, if you, if you understand how he has kept you from the madness, if, if you understand that you're in your right mind on the strength because of the God that you follow, could you give God a hand clap? A hand clap of praise. We bless the Lord. <laughs> we bless the Lord. I heard my wife say, had it not been for the Lord who was on her side, Anybody know something about that struggle, Teresa? You know something about that, don't you? If it had not been for the Lord. Some of you know what I'm talking about in here. Had it not been for the Lord who was on, on our side. There's no telling. There's no telling. There's no. I don't even want to think about what it would have been like had he not been on my side. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know it was crazy times three, and had it not been for the Lord, I don't even want to know what that looks like, him not being on my side. I deal with people on a daily basis, and I'm going to tell you something. Dealing with people makes me never want to see what it looks like without the Lord on my side. Hey, amen. We bless the Lord. We bless the Lord on today. Children's church is open. Children's church is open. Hallelujah. Middle school church is open. High school church is open. Church is in the building. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We bless. We bless his. We bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You begin to see what God is doing. We got kids going to the nursery. We got kids going to the children's church. We got kids going to the middle school church. We got kids heading down into the high school church. I don't know about y'all, but that gets me excited. Amen. Amen. Now, if we could just get the members to come to church, amen, amen. Sunday's got to stop being the day that you do everything other than God, amen. Can I say that again? Sunday has to be the day that you stop doing everything but God, 
Amen. We, we want you to worship God Monday, Sunday through Sunday. But the reality is we understand that we come to the, to the building that houses the church on Sunday. And this has to be set aside as a holy day. Every day should be set aside as a holy day. But especially the day that we all come together and congregate as one, it has to be the day that we stop making our car appointments more important than the word of God, that we stop making things going on at our home more important than the word of God. We got to stop getting our hair done on the day that we're supposed to be here learning the word of God. We got to stop. You understand what I'm saying to you? We got to stop putting all of these things before God. And then when we get to the position that we need God, we find that the well has run dry. Can I just go ahead and be, can I, can I just be real in here and say something? Can I just be something? Can I just say something real deep in here? God is tired of the spiritual booty calls. You only call me when you need me. Call me when you want me. But you have no thought process of getting serious with me. Amen. No thought of getting serious with me. Let's pray in the house today. Heavenly Father, we come here today thanking you for all things. We thank you because you are an awesome and a faithful and a keeping and a loving God. Father, we thank you because without you, we would not be here today. Father, we pray for our sick and shut in. Father, we pray for Sister Jackson. Father, we pray for our brother Benny and the entire Gross family as they go through what it is that they are going through. And we pray for him a peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray for him a keeping grace. And we come up against every attack that may try to come up against him or the family. And we decree and declare them to be the righteous and the redeemed. And we are excited about what it is that you're going to do even through this, God. Father, we pray for all of the members that should be here but are not here. Father, we pray that you begin to take jobs that operate on Sundays and shut them down. And so they can understand that it was never the job that was their Lord, but it was always you. Father, we ask that you begin to move on the conscience of the people that decide to take overtime on Sundays and decide to not fight for that day being free. And we ask, God, that you begin to direct a new energy into the people that turn over on Sunday morning and say, I'll go next Sunday as if next Sunday is promised. Father, we ask that you move in this place today. There is things to be learned in this place today. And, God, we pray that people walk out of here better than what they walked in. And we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. Somebody better say amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Got a lot to talk about, and I'm actually kind of taking a jump shot at it all. In other words, a lot of this is not, uh, some of it is scripted, a lot of it is not. And so we want to get right into it. Amen. Uh, as many of you know, I have been for the last month trying to start a series entitled Deliverance from Conditioning. Uh, deliverance from conditioning and as you have seen that has yet to come to pass I think we started in part one and then the Lord quickly shut shut that down it is a series that is going to happen it's just that it's going to happen when God allows it to happen and I'm learning more and more that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts and in fact the Bible declares that his ways and thoughts are higher than my ways and thoughts. And I'm okay with that. I used to not be okay with that. And, and you know when you, you wasn't okay with that because despite what the Lord wanted, you did what you wanted too. Amen. Despite what you remember those days, you know, uh, when, you know, his, his ways might have been higher. And we know that they were higher. And we know that they were, uh, his, his, his thoughts were deeper. We know that and higher than ours. But that didn't make what we wanted any less appealing. 
And so what we done was, though we knew the word of God and we knew the way of God and the thought of God, we did as we thought would be best for us. But in the reality, anytime that you are operating contrary to the word of God and making a decision to do opposite of what the word is saying to you, then you are actually, in actuality, not doing what is best for you. You are doing what is best for your flesh. And I don't know about anybody else in here, but you better start determining that you are going to shut down the flesh factor in your life. Amen. You, you want to declare that, you want to determine that, you want to be for real about that, that you are, going to, you are going to shut down the flesh factor in your life. And the reason that it is so important to, to uh, shut down the flesh factor in your life, because if you don't, that, that means that you will more times than often operate from your flesh than from your spirit. Amen? You will more often operate from your flesh than your spirit. The more that you allow your flesh to control the situation, the more your flesh begins to have control. And so what happens is you don't necessarily weigh things from the spirit versus the flesh. You just go in with the flesh. Amen? Amen. There's a problem with that because that he that walks from the flesh he whose mind is set on the things of this earth or set on the things of the flesh, we see that and it becomes a problem to us more than we care to admit. Amen? Somebody repeat after me. My flesh is not my friend. It might be connected to me, but it's not my friend. Somebody clap your hands. Why? Why, Pastor? Why are we... Why are we clapping to that? Because you just got a revelation that if your flesh, which is bodily connected to you, is not your friend, then for sure you need to know that some of the people that you have in your life connected to you ain't your friend. Amen. Whew. I want to bless God today for my beautiful wife being in the house. Amen. We, we left a rally Saturday and uh, was on the way home she began to spit up blood and uh, we had to pull over because she was driving and um, the next day she wouldn't she wouldn't go to the hospital that night nor that day because she's a church rat and I knew what it was you know anytime that I tried to get her to stay home when it comes to church there's going to be a fight and the next day after church, she, she came to church and then on the way driving me home, she says, I'm going to drive myself to the hospital because I feel like I'm getting ready to do this again. And then I got a phone call saying that they were keeping her and not just keeping her, but transporting her to another facility that would be able to handle what it was that she was going through. When we begin to understand that she had a bleeding ulcer and that she had about 5.9 whatever the number is, points of, uh, pints of blood. In fact, she had in her body the amount of blood, the doctor said, that it takes to fill a small child. And one doctor said that had you waited another day or so, and then they just stopped talking. I'm excited. I was excited even when it was going on, careful and cautious about my wife, but excited none the same because we understood that as long as it had to do with the blood. <laughs> <laughs> As, as long as it had to do with the blood, and since we serve the ultimate blood doctor, uh, 
then we understood that his blood still works, amen. And so, and so they, everything was great and for a while, I mean, not great, but it was better and then it took a turn for the worse and she lost more blood out of her body and they rushed her to the ICU and you know, we were talking about it on social media, but not to a point that it got so personal, but we was like, no, nah, no, nah, but I'm gonna tell you what happened in ICU. Got to ICU and they told me I couldn't go no further because they needed at least 30 minutes to get her together in the ICU. So I said, okay, a little miffed, but I said, okay. So I go to the waiting room that they have for the family of those in the ICU and there begins to be this lady and this guy that walks in. At first I mistake them for a couple, but I begin to meddle, you know, and uh, I realized that they were brother and sister and the sister was on the phone and she was making all of the calls to the family. You need to get her fast. Uh, you need to get her right now if you want to talk to her. And they're talking about you know, that she could lose consciousness at any moment and all of this. The other brother was on the phone calling his job saying, uh, the brother was on his phone calling his job saying, we're not going to be there. I'm about to lose my mom. I'm sitting there just listening, but I'm still caught up with what's going on with my honey love affair. And, and, and I, all of a sudden, the spirit of the Lord began to speak to me. He said, ask them if they believe in the power of prayer. I'm not in the mood for this. I don't have time for this, and I'm sorry that they're going through it, but I'm going through some things of my own. Ask them if they believe in the power of prayer. But Lord, I, I really need to sit here and pray for mine, and he's like, I've told you before, as I've instructed you to instruct others, that as long as you take care of my business, I will always take care of yours. Ask them, I ain't gonna ask you again to ask them. So, looked at the woman and I said, do you believe in the power of prayer? And she just got up and started walking to me and said, yes. And I said, come on, let's pray. And we began to pray for her mother, not praying for my wife at all. For whatever reason, I couldn't get the words to pray for my wife at all, but I'm praying for this woman's mother and the peace that surpasses all understanding for her and her family. Amen. We stayed in ICU for a day. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me though. We stayed in ICU for a day, long enough, watch this, and in that day, God corrected the whole problem, and then the next day, we was just waiting on a bed in the regular hospital because we wasn't supposed to be at the, y'all don't hear me up in here, we wasn't supposed to be at the ICC. Anytime that you begin to let yourself go and you stop being selfish, no matter how serious the situation is, and you begin to handle the business of God for other people, God will always handle oh lord you don't hear me up in here can we just get a hand clap of praise because he's still a healer he's still a way maker he's still a blood doctor he's still the i can do it if ain't nobody else you understand what i'm saying to you and here's what's crazy they said we don't know what happened to it it's just gone <laughs> they, 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 they were saying we, we gave her some medicine but but you could tell that they was they wasn't really you know you know confident that it was the medicine that did it they said we, we just we just know that the blood has stopped <laughs> and it's working properly and also we well we can't find it it's it's done don't you understand <laughs> that god can shrink your problems look <laughs> in the midst of the mayhem in the midst of the worry, in the midst of the concern, God can shrink your problems. Right in front of the people that's supposed to be an expert. 
but have no answers. We bless the Lord. They don't, they don't know. I'm, I'm sure Teresa left them baffled as she walked out of the ICU. I'm sure she left them baffled as they was pulling the, the ventilator out. We ain't had a whole lot of these that we done pulled the ventilator out of. Ho, ho. I'm kind of messed up. This ain't the way it's supposed to happen. There's supposed to be a few. Y'all don't hear me up in here. <laughs> we bless his holy name. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> the niece is home from the hospital. We was just we were just praying a week ago for that. Amen. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. And if I could just break that down in hood terms, what that means is the prayers of the righteous changes things. The prayer of the righteous has a power. You understand what I'm saying? It has a power. Somebody say, it's got power. <laughs> and you ought to be excited that you serve a God that it don't make no never mind what it is that's coming up against you. He's able. He's able. Sometimes somebody said, you know, last time I saw you, you was in a messed up place. But, but what happened? You just ought to say, he's able. He, he's able, huh? When, when cancer tried to take your life, all you had to say was, he's able. <laughs> when situations begin to just try to take hostage of your mind, all you had to say was, he's able. Don't make no never mind what it is that's coming up against me. My God is able. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We bless his, we bless his holy name. <laughs> I'm trying my best to get back to this, but when I think about the goodness of Jesus, y'all remember when those, y'all remember when those things used to say that? When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's brought me through. I don't know about nobody else in here, but I can't say it like when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's brought me through. I've got to say it like this because I don't know about you, but I've been through some hell. I, I've been through some high waters. I, I've been through some hard times. So when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he brought me through, my soul. My soul ain't even got to be one with my flesh, but it's still going to cry out. Hallelujah. 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 Bless his, bless his holy name. We got to learn how to praise God as much as we beg God. Amen. You gotta learn how to do that. You gotta if 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 I can keep you up all if, if if I can stay up all night praying to you, asking you to shift the situation, then surely I can spend 10 to 15 minutes a day after you shift the situation, giving you the praise for again what you what you have done. Hallelujah. Can anybody just say that? Hallelujah. Just Somebody told me it was the highest praise. Can somebody say it? Hallelujah. 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 I dare you worship it. Hallelujah. 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 
If it's the highest praise, I want to make sure it comes from my belly. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God he rescues me. I dare you just go ahead and declare it. Thank God he rescues me. Make it personal, baby. He, he rescues. He keeps in the midst of the fire. Lord, have mercy. I don't, I don't got to worry. I'm not concerned with what it looked like. He rescues and keeps. Hallelujah. I'm trying to get into it. I'm, he rescues. He rescues. Is it anybody that knows what it means to be kept by God? Man can't keep you. Woman can't keep you. Doctor can't keep you. But it's something about being kept. Kept by God. Bless his holy name. Let me get on back into this thing with me. We've been dealing with this series, trying to get this series off the ground. Deliverance from conditioning. But the Lord put it on my heart last night, yesterday evening actually. Uh, and the way that this series, this new series was birthed, that it's entitled, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Don't Worry, Be Happy. And it was birthed out of First Lady and I were doing a devotional Friday night after she had been released from the hospital. And we started to study the book of Psalms, verse, chapter 94, verse number 19, which reads, in the magnitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Ooh. In the magnitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts, your comforts delight my soul. And this verse caught us up when we came up to it because the Spirit of the Lord began to lead us into different passages that inevitably brought us to where the Spirit of God wanted us to be all along. And though the revelation in the natural will seem basic and simple and maybe not so important to you in the natural, but in the Spirit, everything should shift on the inside of us. Before I go any further, can I just say that it is important to live your life in the Spirit far more than in the natural. Because one of the biggest problems that we have here at the Unity Worship Center as far too many of our disciples spend far too much time out of the Spirit of God. And, and this is a problem because when times call for all of our disciples to be operating from a spiritual sense, they can't because they are hung up on the things of their world and not the things of God. What I'm, what I'm learning in my young ministry is that we... We talk about the world, but then we ought to talk about our world. Uh, because, because a lot of us come to church, we think that we're not connected to the world. But can I say that many of you, or many of us in here are connected, we are in the church building, yet, but we have too much connection to the world. 
Oh, Lord, have mercy. How, how do you know that? Because when certain things happen, you operate from a worldly stance rather than a godly stance. Uh, the last time that you got upset, was it worldly or was it spiritual in the ways that you handled it? Did you, did you cuss? Did you, did, you, did you talk crazy? Did you raise your voice? Or when, when you seen things that wasn't right and, and you begin to upset you, or did you sit back and say, let me fall back and pray for a minute before I begin to deal with anybody because I know in my flesh how I can be. See, can I just go ahead and tell you this? Prayer disciplines your flesh. Mm -hmm. See, because your flesh has a mind of its own. Amen? And since it has a mind of its own, what we need to do, see, see we're great at neglecting church. We're great at neglecting our children. We're, ne we're great at neglecting our calls. We're great at neglecting our marriage. But what we need to learn how to neglect, if it's going to be anything, we need to learn how to neglect that flesh. Amen. Amen. We, we give far too much to the flesh, but we don't give to the things around us. Lord, have mercy. You understand what I'm saying to you? And so this is why your flesh is so powerful. This is why your flesh is so dominant. It's because you feed your flesh, but you don't feed your spirit. I did an analogy about a year and a half ago. I said, if I got a pit bull right here and a pit bull right here, and they're in two different cages, but I feed this pit bull, but I don't feed this pit bull, when I raise up, when I raise up the, the, the racks or the openings on the doors of the kennels, what dog is going to be victorious? The dog that is going to be victorious is the one that got fed. Why? Because it has strength, it has nutrients, it has protein, it has what it needs. But, but, but because this dog hasn't been fed, can I just go ahead and make that plain? Because you don't feed your spirit, but you're continuously feeding your flesh. When it comes time to make kingdom decisions, you don't make them from a place of the kingdom. You make them from a place of your flesh. And your flesh gets the victory time and time again, simply because it is the one that you're feeding. Your spirit needs to be taken care of. It needs to be fed. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be, when it's tried, it needs to be able to be found true. And that's how you have more faith in the things of the spirit because the more as you try things spiritually, the more you begin to understand spiritually is the way it goes. Now get this, watch this, and, and pay attention to this because this is going to blow your mind. And because you did it spiritually and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to, didn't mean that doing it spiritual was wrong. It meant what you was after was wrong and the spirit protected you from yourself. You ought to clap right there. <laughs> God ain't never wrong. God ain't never let you down. God ain't never missed it. God ain't never kept it from you. God ain't never. You understand what I'm saying to you. If it was yours to have, God has it for you. You understand what I'm saying to you. But the Bible says it's something like this. When God shuts a door, ain't no man that can open it. And when he opens a door, ain't a hater from hell that can keep you from what it, you ought to be clapping right about there. That can keep you from what God has for you. Let me try to get on into this thing. I ain't got much time and I ain't got much battery juice. One of the biggest problems that we here have at the, worship, the Unity Worship Center is too many times our disciples spend too much time out of the will of God, out of the spirit of God. And this is a problem because when time calls for our disciples to be operating from a spiritual sense, they can't because they are hung up on the things of the world and not of the things of God. So, so, so there's no need, so, so when there's a need to give more, oh no, I can't, there is this purse that I want and I can't give more because I seen this fit and I got to have that with these new Jordans and see, see women like to take care of themselves and like to look good and they splurge on their hair and their clothes and their hands and their toes. But boys, see we like, us men, we like toys. You know, we, we can make a haircut work for, for a month if we, if we groom it right. 
We like toys. You ain't going to get a woman in the building that's going to go without a month without at least saying, you know what, I might not have the money, but I'm going to sit in here and do it myself. But men, we ain't studying it. In fact, we made a new hairstyle just because we ain't studying it. And that's called let it grow and don't comb it. We don't care about those things. Amen. And so, and so, and so, uh, you, 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 as men, you can give us a sweatsuit from Burlington's and, and keep our hair tapered and we cool because we ain't into all of that. But show me a car that's hot and you got my attention. In fact, I'm in the process of, in fact, I've actually copped me a, a 79 Cutlass Supreme, and it's, it's going to take thousands of dollars. It's going to take thousands of dollars of work, and, 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 and I don't care because it's my toy. And I bless God for a cousin who said, you know what, I ain't, he keep on talking about these old schools. Here you go. Here go one, but you're going to need to fix it. You can, Lord, I got to fix it. But it's cool because it's my toy. And, 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 and keeping yourself nice looking is fine and it's okay and there's no problem with that and there's no problem with having toys and cars and things that you fix up and you this that and the other you understand what I'm saying to you none of that's a sin but we are commanded to be spirit minded at all times so when those things begin to take precedence over the Lord that's when we begin to get in trouble and here at the Unity Worship Center see here's the problem we don't have enough church going for us to get an understanding of what it is, uh, to know what it is when we're wrong in the eyes of God. Here's a scary thought. We can know we're wrong in the eyes of God and still do it. That's a tempting or a trying of God. I know I'm wrong, but what you going to do about it? And I believe it's somewhere in the Bible where the Bible says that God is not he is not slack on his promises of dealing with you, but because he loves you, you understand what I'm saying to you, he chills, he holds back, he, he's hoping that this week you'll get it. Because not only is he a good God, the Bible tells us that he is a what? A terrible God. I want to be on the good side of God, not the terrible side of God, amen? And so, and so, and so, and so the church should never be struggling if you aren't. Let me say that again. The church should never be struggling if you aren't. You understand? Especially with how good, how, how all the good works unity does. Especially with, uh, it's a known factor that we exhibit the spirit of God whenever there arises a need or a need that's brought to us. Uh, many of you don't know this, uh, but Team Love and I are working on trying to take a homeless family in 2022 and putting them in an apartment for a year, pay their rent, and get them back on their feet, not just financially, but psychologically. You understand what I'm saying to you? Me uh, uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all of it. We're trying to get them back on their feet and then next level them back into society. That, that, you see what I'm saying to you? That, that's kingdom work. You understand? We can go out here and keep on feeding the, the hungry all we want to. You understand? But there ought to be something that has been birthed from Team Love that says, look, you go handle the big mission, and we're going to keep on feeding the homeless, but, but, but you need this crew right here to handle the big mission because do you know what it would look like to be able to take a family that's un Let me tell you something. I was in prison, and one of the things we had to do was go out and clean the graffiti off to some of the walls, and I would go up under Vidox, and I would see, I would see bedrooms. You understand what I'm saying to you this was the master suite because it had all the grown folk stuff but then I would sit down here and I would see this was you know they had a little urine the bucket had a smell of urine so you know this was the restroom but then I would go down here and this is what broke my heart this was the kids suite because this had the Barbie dolls and the little vanity that they had somewhere somehow found and brought it so that she could play and I knew it was a girl because they had Barbie dolls and Barbie doll clothes and I turned around and I told the sheriff Sheriff Ron Watson I said we ain't touching this one 
He said, well, we're told to put it all in the trash. I said, we're not touching this one. You can go ahead and revoke me because this is a key. I said, look at this. This is a child's room right here. Do you know that we got, do you know that some of your children are going to school with homeless children? That when they jump off the bus and begin to walk this way and, and nobody understands, why are you walking that way? Because ain't no house there. Their house is there. It's just under, under the viaduct. And she doesn't get to, she's not really studying that well. She's not making really good grades because she can't really keep her comprehension. She really can't keep her attention on the lessons that's being taught at hand because she's too busy wondering if the house has been moved since she's been to school. She's trying to figure out if, if, if the welfare or, or, or if the social workers know that she's homeless and have they picked up her parents and, or are they going to be waiting for her when she gets under the viaduct because somehow, some way, they found out that they don't have equal, they don't have uh, adequate housing. And so as a consequence, they've got to take this baby away from her parents. Last winter, the Lord dealt with me tremendously. Every night that it was crazy cold, the Lord said, and you sit here in your warm house. You got all those rooms and all that space at the church, but ain't nobody laying on a blanket nowhere in the house of the Lord. Did you think that the homeless wasn't my babies too? And it was hard to get sleep last winter because all I kept thinking is I'm warm. Maya's warm, Mary's warm, we good. But do we ever, as we climb into them big old spacious beds of ours and got that central heat booking down through all that gas heat, however you got it hooked up, and you begin to lay back and watch a little TV until you're ready to fall asleep, and you watch the news, and you hear about the homeless situation, and you go, Lord, that's terrible. Please be with them. When the reality was, you should have been saying, who can I, I need to call the news station tomorrow and find out who was on that case so I can find out what it is that I can do. Maybe I need to go talk to my pastor and maybe we need to get involved with that because that's not okay. And we got a whole lot of space and we got a whole lot of people that can take shifts and make sure that people are safe through the night and they don't have to freeze just 25 feet away from this church again. That was ours that died froze to death. How you say that, Pastor? Because he was too close to where this ministry is. We rode past him a million times with slick things to say, trying to figure out if they really needed to change. And somebody, let me show you what happened. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you when God wants to make a statement. Somebody handed him a jacket and he froze to death that night. God said, listen, I don't care nothing about you. It's bigger than your jacket. It's about your heart. Don't give your jacket when you can give your heart. And we could have had one alive. Could have had one alive. Jesus is so much more than quoting scriptures and speaking in tongues and coming to see who's fresh to death. And all. It's so much bigger than that. Jesus is so much bigger than these multi-million dollar buildings that people are trying to put. He's so much bigger than that. This thing is that when, when there is a church that is preaching Christ crucified, that is living from the bowels of God, then you understand what I'm saying to you, that, 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 our, that, our, that when we rest in his bosom on a, constant, on a constant basis, then guess what? Everything around us should be okay. Because we don't sleep well. We don't eat well. It ought to be to the point to where the people on these little, they don't, you know, they, they take you, they ought to say, we know you. <laughs> we, we, 
You, you from the church, we can eat this. We ain't got to be worried about you being mean or malicious or nasty, and, and, and we can eat this. So as you sit home and, and, and devour your great steak and baked potato and all the, uh, as Frazier says in his show, the fixings, as you begin to understand, you can feel, see, I ain't never felt good eating when I know my homie didn't have it. I don't know, I'm just built like, I, I'm, not, I'm not all right with just, just having it all, and I know people that don't. And why I got to have it all anyway? Why you got to have it all anyway? You know, the reason that you got it was so that your cup could run over and spill out on those that are in need. Yeah. Oh, it's quiet in here, boy. You don't talk about giving in here. Yeah, we don't talk about giving in here. Because this isn't a giving church. Lord, I'm not even going to say it. You, you, we've been working together so long, you was just like, you better not say it. You better, I, I was going to say it. I was going to say it. It's a shame when funerals, I'm going to say it. It's a shame when funerals bless our church more than the people in the church. If the Lord wouldn't have seen fit for us to be a, 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 an institution that, that, that housed these home goings for people, you understand what I'm saying to you? We wouldn't be here today. You see the seats around you? You see, you see in the last month and a half, we were sitting around on 80 people up in here. But you see what's happened? Because the world is more important than the word. I don't care how you try to fix it. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what. The word is more important. The world is more important than the word. But what if God dealt with us like we deal with him? What if God... What if God says, I'm going to give to you as you give to me? I'm going to deal with you from my heart as you deal with, 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 with me from your heart. What, what if God dealt with us like that? Lord, have mercy. So, so, so in order for us to, to do this with this homeless couple, that means that the, the, uh, there's going to take a kingdom-minded people to be willing to sacrifice more than their time uh, to help fundraise for this. It's going to take more uh, uh, than people to sow from their finances than usual, but at least there's going to be a family that's going to be warm at night. But, but carnal-minded, natural people won't care about what these sacrifices will produce. They will not be willing to sacrifice their finances nor their time because they are too caught up with their own worlds. That's what we do when you're not in the spirit of God. You create your own world within the world. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And the way that you try to say, you justify it is, I go to church. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Psalms 94 and 19. The founding fathers of our country sought to establish a nation where men would be free to worship as they chose. Government was to protect man's freedom to worship, not to infringe upon it. Now we have come full circle. Today, our government seems intent on prohibiting religious groups such as Gideons, distributing Bibles, copies of the Bibles to our schools and the jail systems. Yet event, uh, 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 evolutionism and, and humanism are freely propagated and promoted in the classroom. In schools, Bible reading and prayer is prohibited by government, yet it provides our children with birth control pills and pays for their abortions. While denying the parents of these children, Lord have mercy, even the knowledge that such services are being furnished. Most of you don't even know they got condoms in school. 
government now seems more inclined to persecute or prosecute religion than protect it. Such evils, while frustrating to Christians in our day, are not unique to 20th century America. The author of Psalms 94 also lived in a time where his government was engaged in the promotion of evil and the persecution of the righteous. The wicked arrogantly furthered their own interest at the expense of those who were defenseless, the widows, the aliens, and the orphans. Government had formed evil alliance and an evil alliance with these oppressors. Indeed, wickedness was even legislated. Did we not see it not too long ago? Wickedness was legislated. What you talking about, Pastor? What I'm talking about is now, now you can be a boy and marry a boy. Now you can be a woman and marry a woman, and it's law. And if you take a stand and say, you know what, I ain't going to do it, they don't just fire you, they lock you up. Did she get locked up? All they should have done was just fired her. But they didn't just fire her, they fired her and they locked her up. What said, what said letting us know? You better be careful about where you preaching Jesus. <laughs> because, because, because whatever legislate, they gave them the right to lock her up. All because she said, my beliefs aren't in accordance with the law, and I ain't going to be the one to fill this out. This ain't happening on my watch. What you going to do when, 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 when the world begins to say, we need you to do that, even though we know that it's sinful? But don't you worry about it because it's profitable. We're going we to pay for your, watch this, we're going to pay for your, uh, 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 for your, what is it, your demotion in the heavens. We're going to pay for that. Don't you know it ain't nothing, it ain't a number that they can make that, can, that, that is worth you being demoted in the eyes of God? Lord, have mercy. Well, what, what you going to do when wrong come your way? And they say something like, now nah, I know this is wrong, but ain't nobody going to know. This ain't the way we're supposed to do it, but in order for it to work, this is what we're going to do. The moment that you hear this ain't the way we're supposed to do it, you as the Christian ought to be walking away. You see? Because right there, right there, right there, you're witnessing to that person. Because don't nobody else turn away the way that's going to be easy and profitable and ain't nobody going to know. Don't nobody else turn away from that. They ain't seen nobody like that. That's why he brought it to you. And millions of church people have come before you and they've never seen anybody like you. And then when you say, oh, hold on, hold on. So you mean that's illegal? Yeah, that's, it's lightweight illegal. Ain't no lightweight illegal. Lightweight illegal gets you locked up. You understand what I'm saying to you? Lightweight illegal will get you locked up. I can show you lightweight illegal getting you locked up. You smoke a blunt in your car, the blood is all gone. The smell is still there, super strong. They pull you over. They can lock you up. No, they can. Yes, they can. I know. Unfortunately. Amen. Thank you for deliverance. Just as residue will catch you a case. You can be charged on residue. And maybe that's what's happening in some of our lives. We got the residue, the residue of who we used to be still operating too heavily. Oh, God, y'all don't hear me in here. <laughs> so the government had formed an evil alliance with these oppressors. Indeed, wickedness was even legislated. And the unjust of the psalmist's day not only prospered and seemed to prevail. See, it's one thing when they prospering, but when you looks like they just going to prevail. 
Prospering is in the act of it, but when you've prevailed, it means it's over with and you came out a winner. You understand what I'm saying to you? It can be hard sometimes doing the right thing when everybody around you is doing the wrong thing and it seems like they're getting by with it. But the Bible tells us don't get caught up with the evildoers because they might make it in this world. It might look good in this world, but boy, they got a hell to deal with. They, ooh, you're going to be glad. You're going to be so glad that you kept your way when, when, when it came to doing evil because the evildoers have a way that's going to land them in hell. The evildoers were not focused. Uh, they didn't have to have meetings in dark alleys, and you understand, and, and, uh, because they was congregating in Congress and in the White Houses of the land. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comfort delights me, Psalms 94, 19. In this text, we understand that the psalmist, the psalmist is going through some things, and he is concerned with evilness of the government at that time, not because he's caught up with himself, but he's caught up with how their evil ways could come against God's people. Today, we don't have enough people fighting for Christian rights. And it's not because we can't, but more so because the Christians are more caught up in the things of their world. Let me prove my point. Not too long ago, not too long ago, there was a, uh, uh, there was a certain university uh, that wasn't going to let a young man graduate because he had dreadlocks. He, he had completed his studies. He had stayed out of trouble. But because he had a certain hairstyle, they wasn't going to let him graduate unless he cut these dreadlocks. And I recently learned that the high schools here in Lexington uh, have taken the same mindset. But, but when the story first broke, everybody lost their minds and began to fight against the university stance. But what blew my mind was, is when they began to take prayer and the right to read the Bible out of our local schools, the Christians that tried to stand up against this stance had nowhere near the help and support as the people had that had the dreadlocks. That wasn't as important. I'll stand up. I, I ain't going to be standing up because you can't read the Bible. Yeah, you ain't going to be getting in no trouble because of that because you can't read the Bible or because you can't pray in church. But let me tell you something. If they don't let your friend pass because he got dreadlocks, oh, I'll be there. What sense does that make? Oh, let me get into it. I don't want to mess this up because the Lord let me word this. He let me word this perfectly. Now, 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 here's what people don't understand. When you refuse to keep the, the God apart from the school system, you lost all your freedoms. At that very moment, you didn't see it. But now, some years later, here we are. You, 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 oh, God. We, we will lose our mind over dreadlocks because we got, we got to scream racism. And, and you were right. It was racism. But truth being told, racism isn't just, it's just another form of evil. Uh, and, and the African-American race has been trained for years to be on high alert for racism. But what we haven't been trained for is to be on high alert for evil. And so we are quick to call race. Y'all don't hear me in here. So we are quick to call racism, but not as quick to call evil. And because many of us grew up in evil, we wasn't really even sure it was evil when we saw it. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because what you call evil fed me at night. What you call evil put clothes on my back. What you call evil is how we were able to, you understand what I'm saying to you? Because we've been trained incorrectly. We can call racism, but we don't know how to call evil. So this is why, this is why schools have, have black children who are quicker to call the white teacher a racist because they were most likely just correcting the child and because there ain't no real live correcting going on at home, the child don't know that this is just correction and so they look at it and go, I'm black, you white, it must be racism. 
But because the child doesn't understand, also because the child doesn't understand that, uh, that not obeying the teacher is a form of rebellion, thus a form of evil, they call racism instead of calling it evil. Oh, Lord. I want you to be free. I want you to raise your children free, raising them right. Not stop setting them up for failure. You wonder why your black kids don't like white people? Because of you. You don't like white people. You talk too much about white people. You talk too negatively about white people. That's why your kids act silly when it comes to white people. You understand why your white kids don't like black people? Because you say too much about black people in front of your white kids. In church. Now watch this. When it is the black teacher, uh-oh, when it's a black teacher and a black student, they can't call racism because it's now a black educator with a black scholar. So now the excuse is the educator just has a problem with me. And because the African-American neighborhoods are usually caught up with aggravation, aggressiveness, and unfortunately violence, the, uh, the, the other thing that kids are trained to watch out for is the person who don't like you because that could be dangerous. So, so, so now it's not the teacher is racist because now the teacher is black. And, and so instead of it being the child uh, being rebellious, thus evil, we say things like the teacher thinks she's better than your child. Yeah, I went to school to check her, and she thinks she's white with all that weave in her hair. Well, you've got all that weave in your hair. Does that mean you think you're white? Yeah, yeah, she tried to talk all educated when I went up there to check her about my child. No, no, she is educated, and she wasn't trying. She was being what she had worked to be successful, educated, working in the field that she desired to. And we all need to get one thing straight. Successful is not predicated upon your bank statement or the car you drive or the neighborhood that you live in. Successful is being without, oh God, successful is, is, is about being right with God because when you are right with God, then the Holy Spirit is operating fully on the inside of you, leading you into all truth as Jesus promised that the Spirit would. You see, now, now, if the spirit is leading you and you are following, even the job or career that you are into right now is of God because the spirit has led you to it. But if you find yourself unhappy with what it is that you do, is it possible because one, it was never what you wanted to do and you work there not because you want to, but because it simply pays the bills. But because church didn't properly teach you as a child, that you should in all your ways acknowledge him, seek him. You were a child at 16. You were having a child at 16 because you wasn't taught the importance of God in keeping God's ways. Because God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit wasn't everyday topics in our household. God's word and ways aren't, were not stressed, thus not deemed important. At age, and age, so, so, so at age 15, we have one dead and one headed to prison for the rest of their life. And not, and not all, not all, but the majority of these situations, we will find that either one or both families didn't have God as the head of their houses. Not in all the situations, but in the majority of them, we will. Well, I know one that got killed and they, they was in church. Okay, they was in church, but was they in Jesus? And, and if you even said, if you said it in your spirit, if you said it under your breath, you know what? You in church and you ain't in Jesus. Because it's a difference from being in church and being in Jesus. The numbers show that today. The finances show that weekly. You can show up in church, but that don't mean that you're in Jesus. 
You understand what I'm saying to you? And, and, and we got to stop running around here. See, it, blow, it blows my mind because I, I, I'm here for a lot of these funerals, and I've preached a lot of these funerals where these kids have passed away young, then got killed, and, and all of this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, all the family's holy. God plans best. This was not God's plan. Your child dying at 15, 17, 19 was not God's plan. The Bible, last time I read it, said he gives us three scores and ten, which means 70 years, and everything else is in the blessing. You understand what I'm saying to you? So if your child died at 16, your child was, your child was not in the will of God, not due to gunshot, leukemia, cancer, something like that. That's a whole other conversation. But out here banging these pistols and your child died at 17, he was not in the will of God, and we need to stop lying. And the reason, and, and, and the reason they keep dying is because we keep lying. God needed an angel, so he took, no, he didn't need no angel. Who, what kind of warped God do we serve that he needed an angel so bad that he would, he would, he would just destroy your home and take your child uh, for no reason whatsoever because he needed another angel? We are talking about the creator of all things. We are talking about the one that said, let there be light, and there was light. We are talking about the one that said, let there be darkness, and there was darkness. We are talking about the one that said, let the firmament be in the land, and there was a firmament in the land. We are talking about the greatest creator of all times. We are talking about Jesus, and he don't have to take your child because he needs another angel. If he needed another angel, he'd just create one. That's how we justify our mess, though. That's how we justify our messiness in our children's life. That's how we justify not witnessing to our children, and as a consequence, they are dead. That's how we justify God needed another angel. No, you need you need therapy. Young God didn't need no angel. Thank you. You need to be honest. You need to be honest. Lord have mercy. I got 17 minutes. I'm not talking about because you say you're saved. This is the problems that we have in the house. Uh, people just say they're saved. Don't nobody care about you saying, I said I'm saved. No, 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 no. The Bible's got a set of standards. Thank you, baby. A set of standards that must be kept in order for you to be in the kingdom. Lord, have mercy. And, and I don't care. I, I said I'm saved. And, and Jesus said, no, I said you not. I, I'm saved, and you've been saying it from church to church, waiting for the church to agree with you, with your messy self. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, and you ain't listening to nobody. But guess what? It's going to come a day, day? <laughs> when you're going to say, I'm saved, and the I am is going to say, but no, you're not. Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Lord, have mercy. Listen. I want to give you a witness tip. Stop making your testimony the only thing you have to use to witness. Know some word. See, I can tell you my story and be happy for you. But truth being told, me listening to your story doesn't teach me about God. Thus, I don't know him. But if you teach me about God, I get to know him. Thus, ultimately, I come to love him. People tired of hearing about how he saved you. And you still don't look all that saved yet. This is why it's important that I teach you so that you can teach others. Because the more you learn of him, the more you love him. Thus, the more you teach those who you are connected to. And they learn. Thus, the more of them begin to love him. It is in the multitude of my anxieties within me. Your comforts delight my soul. Well, what gets me excited about this verse is the same thing that should get you excited about this verse, and that is, uh, and that is that in the multitude of my anxieties, let's deal with that. The word multitude is defined as a large number. 
So the psalmist is saying, it doesn't matter how many issues I'm facing, in the midst of them all, God's comfort still has the power, oh Lord, still has the power to delight my soul. His, his comforts, Lord, how mercy, his comforts, uh, uh, his ways, his Holy Spirit delights his soul in the midst of all of the mess that's going on around him. Here's why we should be excited, because if we are in God's... If we are in God, it says, if we, we are in God, Lord, have mercy, then you have a right to be okay despite what it is that you're going through. The Psalms says his delight, he was still able to delight. His soul was still delighted even though he was going through so much because he was in God. It wasn't because he was super saved. It wasn't because he was professionally saved. It was simply enough because he was smart enough to be in God. And so it didn't matter no much hell that was coming against him because he was in God. He was cool. And don't you, let me, let me, let me, let me bless you some, let me bless you some. And sometimes, watch this, you can die in the hand of God. And that just means it was God's will. And you got to be okay when it don't go your way because God had another way in mind. You got to learn how you got to, you don't get to love him just because he comes through for you 24-7. You don't get to love him because he just keeps doing impossible for you. You don't get to love him because of that. You love him when it's good, when it's bad, when it went your way, and when it didn't. Amen? Now, I'm going to interrupt this message for a quick second. And I'm still going to get you out of here, Warren. Don't trip. Because I want to sit down. I want to talk to you for a second. We got any of them people in our church on this thing? Ain't nobody on earth. It's one person. That's why. And if it wasn't for that one person, I would shut that down. I want to say this to you. I want you to hear me. Kim, start tagging everybody. We got to stop playing church. We do. Every last one of you. Every last one of us. And I'm making sure I get an eye full of everybody. We got to stop playing church. You got to stop being in here and being holy, but being hellish out there. And I'm going to tell you what's happening because you're messing with the brand. You're messing with the brand. This is a church of holiness. This is a church where we're trying to hold it down for real. So don't be, don't be getting high trying to witness to nobody because the reality is you're running them away from church. They don't see no truth in you, none whatsoever. And, and I don't know how you get high and then want to talk about God anyway. I know we used to do that. I know we used to do that, but, but we wasn't in church then. Amen? Uh, 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 me, me and my best friend, we, we used to, you remember that one time we got in an argument? Running drunk. We was running drunk. We ain't got in an argument. I can stop the car. We can fight right here. Well, we're going to fight about it. And we fight about who's real, Allah or Jesus. Both drunk. That's okay when you ain't in the, in the word. That's okay. That's, that's, how, that's how people in the world act. But we better not be drunk arguing about Jesus coming to church. You're supposed to be saved. Right? All right, listen. I believe that God saved me from the rest of my life in penitentiary and saved me from some of the vile and foul things that I did in the streets. I believe that he saved me for such a time as this. You understand what I'm saying to you? There's not a church, there's not a pastor in the city that can talk to a drug dealer like I can. There's not a pastor in the city 
They can talk about alcoholism or fornication or sin, period, the way that I can. Why? Because I've been there. Two, and I'm not like most preachers, I liked it. I'm not going to lie about it. They be lying. I didn't like it. I was sad the whole time. My life was just a mess. Well, I, was, I don't know what sin you got into. The sin I got into was good. That's why it was so hard to come out of it, because it was good. Let's stop lying about sin. You enjoyed it. That's why you did it for so long. Okay? But because, you know, we have pastors today that don't, you know, we don't want to foul ourselves. We don't want to look bad. Baby, it, it was never what you looked about. The Bible said, I, and if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. Baby, it ain't got nothing to do with you, Mr. Pastor Perfect. It don't got nothing to do with you. This ministry should be because we are full of something I'm going to start called the X-Men Ministries. Because we're full of ex-drug dealers. Gang members, strippers, doughboys, chicks, all that. We are, we are, when our church is all here, we are full of people who come from the world for real. How is it that this can be true, but our building is not full? Could it be because when we are outside the church, the church ain't what we're talking about? Can I say this to everybody in the building, and I want you to understand this, because we have to stop playing with this thing, okay? We have to stop playing. The Bible says, God is not mocked, and what you reap, you shall sow. In other words, all these games that we playing with God, yeah, we're going to sow them. We're we, we going to reap them. We're going to reap them games that we playing. Abraham's wife, when he told Sarah, and when he told Abraham, you're going to have a son, she laughed on the inside, and God said, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. He said, yes, you did. I'm God. Girl, quit playing with me. How many times have you sat here today and said something in your mind because of something that I said and, 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 and did not understand that God was going, what you say that for? He ain't saying nothing, but if it make you upset, it's because you're guilty. You ain't guilty. What's my analogy? If I throw a rock in the bush, the only one going to have an ouch is the one that was in there. If you ain't in the bush, you don't get hit. Amen? You know why our children aren't gung-ho Jesus by now? And some of us, if you've been in this church for over a year and you've not won nobody to Christ, you are illegal in the kingdom of God. I said it. And I'm going to say it again. I'm looking at everybody. You've been in this church over a year, and you ain't won no one to Christ. You are illegal in the kingdom of God. Because as witnesses, we are to witness the word of God and to get people saved. This isn't really a big thing. We don't really think about this. We're too busy worried about so many other things. But if you have been in this ministry for a year, think about this. What has stopped you from witnessing to someone else to get them, to, to get them saved? What? What is so important? What was more important than seeing a soul saved? Surely, as you was going through your everyday, everyday life, you saw somebody that needed the word. Why didn't you give it to them? Why haven't you given it to them? Because I know they go, they did that to Jesus. He said, and if that happens, wipe the dust off your sandals and move on to the next one. But you don't stop witnessing. Why haven't we, why haven't, why is this building full after a year? We got, how many people we got here, Jeff? How many did you count so far? 29 people. So why ain't 58 people here? Huh? Why aren't 50, why aren't 29 of your converts here? 
And truth be told, and I'm not saying this to brag, but we're going to be 100. The majority of the people sitting in this building is the majority of the people the wife and I put that work in on. Isn't it sad that we can't look around the building and go, I brought them to church. I brought that one, that one, and that one to church. We bring more people to Applebee's than we do to church. You bring more people into your depression than you do church. And the consequence is our kids are dying. People our age overdosing. I'm sorry, but if you're 50 years old, you ain't still supposed to be getting high. I'm sorry. What didn't you learn from 19 to, to 26? Huh? When I hear somebody from my block then passed away to, over, uh, to, to overdose, I'm sitting here going, what in the world? What? We don't do that no more. You ain't even got to be holy. You just don't get high no more. That ain't what we do. We beat it. Why would we go back to it? Why would we stay in it when we've never had a victory in it? Listen, listen, listen. I want to say this, and, I, and the, the Holy Ghost is leading me to say this. It's time to start witnessing to people. It's time. He said, we can keep on teaching you, but y'all know right from wrong. Y'all know right from wrong. Y'all not stupid. You know right from wrong. You're not ignorant. You know right from wrong. Now it's time to start being saved for real. I'm just tired. I'm so sick of this. I'm so. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just tired. It's, it's one day we in it. Ah, then the next day we ain't. What if God, what if God don't wake you up in the morning because he wasn't with it? You understand what I'm saying to you? Like, like we keep on doing this thing every Sunday, every freaking Sunday, we do this thing and we call it church. And we say all the right stuff. I say this humbly. I know that I'm teaching you. I know I am. I know you hear the truth. I know you do. But you won't do nothing with it. But when I get, when we get fed up or just like we can't take anymore, you guys have the nerve. Some of you have the nerve to text me and say, you can't give up. You got to keep on in the fight. Well, you want me to keep on in the fight that you've yet to get in. You want me to keep up with a fight that you don't swing on my behalf. You don't got my back. I'm teaching you and teaching you and you ain't telling nobody. And not only are you telling nobody, you suspect with if you down with us or not. This is serious, y'all. And I deal with this with, man, I sit back and I'm like, you know, we was just 80 people two weeks ago. People were doing this, writing lessons down, writing notes, planning to their lives. They were doing, I was watching, I said, what did I say? I said, my greatest thing that I've ever seen is two, week, two or three weeks ago with like 80 people in here and everybody was taking notes. I said, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my ministry because I never want to be a guy that hoops you until you fly out of here thinking you okay all in a world of sin. I want to teach you so that you know it, so that you can teach your children. So that, how many of you had hellish children life? How many of you had hardcore, you grew up, it was rough, it wasn't no game. Your mama was the greatest. She did her best. Some of them was, some of them wasn't. But, but it, did not, it did not negate the fact that you had it hard. When we teach a gospel that if we will accept, do you know when these little stripper girls and these little drug dealing cats come in here, do you know that if they actually listen to what we say and they decide to take it on, that their lives can be better? I'm so tired. You know, I wrote my son. I wrote my, 
this is our page only, right? I wrote my son a letter, and I had to explain to him, I had to apologize for how my image let him down. For what I feel like he was trying to live up to has him out here with these pistols and all of this stuff that they accuse him of, you understand? That every time I turn around, my son can't do Christmas with me because, you know, since he's 18, he's been in jail. And since he was 14, he's been in juvie. And so I don't have, I've not been able to do Christmas and Thanksgiving with my son because, because I failed. I was teaching y'all, but I wasn't teaching him. So now I'm running behind trying to teach him because it is sickening me. It is, it is busting my gut wide open that every night my boy lays in somebody's institution trying to send him to another institution if things don't go the way we need them to. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about in here. This is all the reason why we got to stop playing with this thing. We, we, we got to start being serious about this thing. We got to, you know, so that our teenagers leave this church and they go witness to their teenagers that's holding the pack, that's holding the, the pole. You understand what I'm saying to you? To the, to the girls, you know, as soon as I turn 18, I'm in somebody's club. No, 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 no. We need to have young ladies out here going, no, baby, you are smart. You are way too smart with that. Look, I'm getting ready to go to college day. Go with me. See that. See what all they offer. Honey, we ain't got the money, but we ain't got to pay. They got grants for people like us. They got scholarships. I mean, we can do this. We ain't got to be like everybody else. We're growing up I'm tired I am tired these same old funerals with these young kids with these same old preachers with these same old messages they're preaching to the flock that came for the dead rather than preaching while the dead is dead I'm tired and I'm, I'm sick of it. We, we, not too long ago, about, what was it, four months ago, we had somebody die, young person, and the brother said, the uncle said, they said, uh, they said, they said we're gonna get Thomas Jarber to preach this, the funeral. Thomas Jarber, they reached Thomas Jarber, Thomas Jarber said, you need to get Pastor Lyons. The uncle said, ooh, you know what, you're right. We need to get Pastor Lyons. The daddy said, I didn't even think about that, that's for real. Listen, listen, listen. Thomas Jarber, awesome man of God. He says, no, this ain't my field. <laughs> Give this to Pastor Lyons. The young people that's going to be there, they need to hear what he's going to say because he don't care to say it. Not taking from Thomas at all. This is just my lane. The daddy said, you know what? I don't even know how to say that. You're right, Pastor Lyons. And mama went with a young kid who was a Baptist robot. In other words, he just does everything that he sees his Baptist pastor do. And that ain't got nobody saved. That ain't got nobody delivered. And so we have 45 minutes of young kids walking out on this young kid who was never built for this stage whatsoever. We got to stop. The enemy rose up against Pastor Lyons preaching this boy's funeral because the enemy knows that the last time Pastor Lyons preached the funeral, we got 18 kids in this city in churches somewhere today because they got saved. That's not a bragging thing for me. That's me saying I don't fear the enemy. And I don't fear their faces. We preach funerals in here so cold that people have literally walked down here ready to fight me. And I had to cut the mic off and say, it's ain't going to go how you think. I'm going to touch you with every cheer in here. Bless the Lord. Didn't we, Lily? Didn't we? Preach funeral. We don't care how you feel. I don't care that I hurt your feelings. When I sat and told him, and he overdosed on one of y'all's dope in here. 
everybody got squirrely because everybody had served in that week. Here's why I'm at. Here's why I stopped this speech. Here's why I stopped this sermon. When we were in the world, we prided ourselves on not being fake. Right? That was a thing. Right? That would get a fight started if you called us fake. Right? Because we prided ourselves on always being 100. I keep it 100. Well, I got a question. What happened from our transition to the world to the church? And somewhere in that geographical breakdown, did we read a sign that says, at this point, uh, at this street, you don't have to be real no more. At this street, this is, this is hypocrite road. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be real on this street because you in church. Now, in the streets, because you, so you wouldn't let none of your homies down, you had to be real. But for the one who saved your life, I'm just wondering, did anybody see the stop sign that said, you can play games here, Avenue? I ain't see it. On my way over, what I found was street signs that kept saying, it's going to take, you, it's gonna take your realist. It's, it's going to take your most seriousness. It's going to take your focus. It's going to take your commitment. It's going to take your seriousness. Those are the street signs I saw from the world to the church. And if we could all just say, just, just try this, just try this for one week, and I'm done, I'm done. For one week, if we could just try this, if we could just try walking holy, one week, no matter what, nobody gets an excuse, walking holy. From this Sunday to next Sunday, no profanity, none. For no good reason. There is not a good reason to ever break God's laws. Somebody need to write that down. There is never a good reason to be rebellious against the word of God. No cussing. Huh? No fornicating. That means sex before marriage. Amen? No lusting. Uh-huh. Because some of y'all, oh, that's a nice sweater. It's really... Man, he's swole. He's so sexy. He got, mm, look at that sweater. Look how, no, no, no lusting. You could tell old girl work out. That really means, man, she thick. Look at her. Jesus. None of that. No lusting. <laughs> Some of y'all need better poker faces. I ain't going to call you out because you get in trouble. But no lusting. Right? No swearing. Get this one. No, the Bible, did you know that the Bible says don't put your word up for nobody? In other words, don't co-sign for nobody. The Bible tells you never to co-sign for anybody. And put your name in jeopardy. You see what I'm saying to you? None of that. Walking holy. Well, I really don't know how to walk holy. It's in the Bible. And if you need help with that, it hit my inbox. Ain't nobody going to know. We're just going to get through it. Now, here's the question. How many of you going to try this for seven days to walk holy? I want to see your hand. I want to see who's going to do it. I want to see who's going to do it. Put your hand up if you're going to do it. Me see you ain't going to walk try to walk holy for seven days? Put your hand up then. Obedience is better than sacrifice. All right. Now, if you ain't going to try to walk, walk holy for seven days, I got a question. Why are you here? 
Because we're here being trained to walk holy every day. We tra- okay. <laughs> it's all good. But, but if you're not going to walk holy or try to walk holy for seven days, so, so have you just given hell your credit card? Because he says what? Be ye holy. So you don't get a choice. This isn't A, holy, B, not holy. There ain't no multiple choice. You will be holy because he's holy. And if you say, well, I ain't going to be holy, then you don't need to be here. Because this is a group full of people trying to be holy. We might fall, but we get back up. Now, here's what I want you to, this is what I want you to get. This is what I want you to do through the week. I want you to write down where you know you mess up. Because you got to learn how to see what your issue is. See, I say this to people all the time. Once I understand something, I can deal with it. So, for me, right now, the fight of my life, I'll share with you, and I hope that you pray for me, is sweet. It's not funny. I'm at a place in my diabetes where this can get real, real fast. And as much as I know that, it is the fight of my life to do the right thing. Oh, how a Mountain Dew tastes after preaching hard opposed to a water. But the water isn't threatening to take away my limb. The Mountain Dew is. See, I'm being forced to be, and, and here's the thing. And so the Bible says what? Don't you know that your body is the living of the holy temple? So that when I begin to disrespect the body, I begin to disrespect the responsibility that he bestowed upon me with his body. So I can't properly hold God because I'm not in proper shape. And it's, it's not something that someone's done to me. It's what I choose to do to myself. See, see, righteousness isn't just about, I don't cuss, I don't diss, I don't. No, no, righteousness, I'm going to take care of this temple that he blessed me with. So, 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 so when I see, when I see chocolate chip cookies on the stove, and I ask a question, those sugar-free? I don't even know if they're sugar-free cookies. And I say, are those sugar-free? And she goes, no, those aren't. And I go, huh. In my mind, I'm thinking, you're against me. Why would you leave those on the stove? You know I ain't got no willpower. So when she wakes up the next morning, <laughs> and the cookies ain't there no more, you better not say nothing to me because my response is going to be, you know I'm sick. That's like putting, that's like putting two grams of A1 Yola on the stove. That means it's real good crack. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. And... <laughs> And leaving it on the table with somebody that just did 30 days in rehab. And say, don't you touch that while I'm asleep. And you done left the pipe, the Brillo, and everything else to go with it. You done left it all there. And then get up in the morning and be had a nerve to be mad because them two grams is gone. What happened to my two grams? You know what happened to your two grams. The one who had a problem with the two grams smoked it just as the one who had the problem with the chocolate chip cookies ate them. But I need help. Because it's real. Write down 
what your weaknesses is. You can beat them. You can overcome them. Yes, you can. He says, I can do all things what? Yeah, so you, so you can beat anything that it is that's got you handicapped or handcuffed right now. You can beat it. But you got to write it down, and you got to begin to deal with it. And here's the thing. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead. So, so how, how many, let's just tell the truth to shape it up. How many of us have got a problem with profanity? Every now and then, we just let a bomb drop. Just go ahead and tell the truth. Cut. Jesus knows. All right, a little problem with profanity. You ain't got that problem. You ain't got that problem. Miss Holy. Yeah. Okay, I thank God for your honesty. So you want to write that down. Profanity. Now. Here's what's going to happen. Let me get your hip to it. Because Satan's imps and gins, and let me tell you, people around here, the devil trying to kill me. The devil's not trying to kill you. You can't even fast. The devil's not after you. The devil only comes for people that is seriously changing the world with the word of God. So stop lying. The devil's not, you cloud chasing. The devil's not after you. You got these things called demons and gins and imps that's been dealing with you. And they've been assigned to you all your life. You know why? Because you never graduated to the enemy. Okay? So, 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 so they come in here with you. And they don't have the power that the enemy has. So what they do is they run it back to the enemy. Uh, 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 such and such is going to try to stop cussing. How many are going to Show me your hands again. You got a problem with cussing. Okay. All right. Okay. So, so James Gray stop. He Gray try to stop cussing. They meeting up at the spot. Hey, was that you I saw? Because was she at unity? Yeah. Why? Karen was at unity. She going to try to stop cussing. Hold on. Was that, was that Teresa? Teresa, you have your hand up? Did you have your hand up, Teresa? Teresa, who, was she at unity? I thought I saw you over. She going to try. Oh, they are. So guess what the enemy does? This is real talk. This is how it works. This is really how it works. Give them a reason to cuss. Now, the fact that you cussed, they gave you a reason to cuss. You bit. You took it. Guess what? That's not the demoralizing part. You don't want to know what the demoralizing part was? You said it. You were serious. You was dead for real when you said, I, I'm really going to try to stop cussing. And then, boom, they tempted you. You cussed. And now you're going, what is wrong with me? I just came out of church promising I was going to beat this thing. And then you begin to feel bad. He makes you feel bad. This is how he works. This is his process. Then he makes you feel bad because... You didn't keep your word to God. See how that works? Now you don't want to try no more righteousness because you don't want to fail at no more righteousness. I mean, because look just how quick you fail at cussing. And you just said, I wrote it down in the church. I ain't going to cuss. I'm going to try not to cuss. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's not write down, I'm going to stop cussing. Let's write down, I'm going to begin to start trying not to cuss. What you ought to be happy about is that even though the enemy got you, tricked you, played you, God ain't done with you. And he knew, yeah, that's a clappy moment. And he knew that you was going to get tried, and he knew you was going to bite. But this is where you start fighting back. You write down tomorrow, I'm not going to cuss. I'm going to do my best to not cuss. And you keep trying. So the next thing you know, guess what? He don't ever send nothing new. Why would I send you a new trick if the old one still worked? <laughs> so when you see such and such that made you going to cuss, you just down the other hallway. Nope. I ain't even getting ready. And when they get started and when they corner you, you know what? I ain't going to do it with you today. I love you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. Bye-bye. 
They can stand there and argue with the pop machine all they want to, but you're not going to be tricked into cussing. Now, now this is what you do. Y'all ready? Trying not to cuss. Okay, what are the things I need to change about myself? I cuss. Okay, why? Shonda, James, Jimmy. These are your why I cussers. These are your triggers. You understand what I'm saying to you? How do I not get high? Number one, stay away from all crackheads. Stay away from everybody that gets high. Stay in the church. Get an accountability partner. You see what I'm saying? Find scripture that tells me that I don't got to get high. I can do it. I can make it. How do I, whatever your situation is, it's like prego, baby. It's in there. It's in the word. But you got to write down your enemies so you can see your enemies. See, because the, the, the reality is you don't got time to be worried about your physical enemies. You got to be worried about the enemies of your soul. What, 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 is, what is stopping me from getting to heaven? What can stop me from getting to heaven? I need to write that down, and then I need to write down who makes me operate in this way. Or what? Who said that? Or what makes me operate this way? Some of you need to change your phone numbers today. And you need to be purposeful. And, and don't change your number and then text somebody that you wasn't supposed to have it. You just spent, what is it, $22? For nothing. Change your numbers. When you see people are constantly coming at your peace, that is constantly pulling you out of the character of God, it's time to let them go. That's my family. Don't nobody care nothing about that. Jesus said, did you think that I come to bring peace? I come with a sword, and I come to cut mother-in-law from mother, from daughter and father-in-law from, you understand what I'm saying? He said, I come to cut family apart from one another and from anything that is keeping you from me. So, so now I want you to know that when you say that's my family, you are just justifying staying in a situation that is unhealthy for you. If Jesus said cut them loose, who you think you not to? Who you think you are? If Jesus said, where is my mother? Where is my father? Mary and her brother, her brother was right outside the, 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 the tabernacle. And he said, he said, your mother and your father's out, your mother and your brother's out here, Jesus. And Jesus kept on talking for a long time. And he said, so the dude, the dude got insulted. That's your mom. You don't treat your mama like that. You know, Jesus, don't you know that your mama and your brother, your mama's out there, Jesus. Who are my mother? Who are my brothers? So don't you get this thing twisted. Because I don't care nothing about her if she ain't keeping the word of God. The only thing that I care about her is we get her saved so that she can go to heaven. But if she's out of the will of God and she knows I am, we ain't paying her no attention either. Some of y'all keep on family over everything. The devil is a lie. Family is not over everything. Family will never be over God. And maybe that's why we have some of the problems that we have because we keep on putting stuff over everything. Money over everything. What happened when money run out? What happened when somebody steal your money? Family over everything. Family betray you all the day long. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to tell you something else. What time is it? Somebody tell me what time it is. 116. I, said, I like how she said that. You know how I like how she said that? Because she didn't say, 116. One, six, six, you're 16 minutes past, Pastor. Because I want to get this church to the point to where you step back and go, my, sad, my Sundays are prepared to learn. So I'm not going to come in here with my anxiousness and my really want to go do something else and my really want to go hang somewhere else and I really want to go shopping and I got something on the stove. I'm not going to come in here with all that energy pushing up against the pastor going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. It's 1239. You need to be bringing it in. You need to be bringing it in. 
Because if you read scripture, they didn't set time frames. And so what, let me tell you what we do. I'm, I'm done. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm almost done because we need to get distracted. So you know what they do? They do now in church. Let me tell you what the pastors do. Let me tell you what we do. I'm going to tell you what we do. We sit back and we try to figure out ways to make sure you'll come, make sure you'll come back, make sure you'll stay, and then make sure you'll come back and stay forever. So guess what? We start coming up with stuff like the 90-minute church. We put that on flyers. We get you in and out in 90 minutes and all of that. You understand what I'm saying to you? And, 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 and folk go because they want to be home in an hour and a half. Got eternity on the line. If you was to die today, you really don't know where you're headed. And you're rushing me out the building. We got to stop this. If we're going to be the church, Jesus, let me tell you something. The apostle Paul preached, 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 So long till one boy fell out. He fell asleep, fell out the roof, fell out the window when he fell asleep because it had been so long. It was far longer than I've been preaching. He fell. And let me just say this. I'm a little more illustrative than Paul. Y'all lucky. And so, and so Paul just said, whatever the word said, that was it. I take you some places. You're welcome. The boy fell asleep because Paul been preaching so long. Fell out the window. You remember that, Anita? Fell out the window. Died. Murdy died. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened, Murdy. The boy died. Paul goes down to the boy and says, okay, we're going to say the girl. We're gonna, no, no, I want a boy. Murdy died. <laughs> He comes down to you and touches you in the name of Jesus, rise. Hold on. Mert rises. Paul goes back to preaching. It ain't a praise break in the Bible when this happens, Karen. I'm telling you, Mert lives. Paul keeps preaching forever. And guess what? Did nobody say, oh, my God. Tracy, did you see Mert woke up? Oh my, am, am I tripping? Am I high? Am I, Erica, is that Mert? That's Mert. Did he just die? Nobody does any of that. Why? Because the power of God was evident. And the power of God, nobody was like, you know what? He died. You rose him. Let's get him up out of here, Paul, before he... He might die again. Let's get him on home where he gets some food because he ain't ate because you've been preaching forever. Let's get him some water. None of that is in scripture. He just went on preaching. And the people were okay with it. You understand? See, some of us have been in hell for 25, 30 years, but you want the preacher to preach you out of it in 45 minutes. It's not possible. We have to have, we have to hold, we have to have a whole way new training system on living. See, when you've been in the thing, when you've been in the world for, for a serious time, and you've been a serious culprit for the enemy's kingdom, then, then you have to have a whole different type of training because we have to, the way, let me tell you something. You ever notice when somebody gets hurt and they're in the hospital bed for too long, the first thing they have to do is learn how to walk again? Remember that? I was in the hospital for eight days, and I had been in the hospital, holding the, I couldn't even use the restroom. And it was eight days, I was laying in this hospital bed. And when I got out, the problem was not what brought the diagnosis that brought me in. The problem, the reason why I couldn't go home was because I could not walk. I had forgotten how to walk. You understand what I'm saying to you? Can I just go ahead and put this out there? Sometimes when you've been caught up in the world and the enemy has had his way with you, sometimes you forget how to walk. Lord, have mercy. And you have, the, what, what, what is that? We have the technology to rebuild him. We have the ability to make him stronger. We have, we have the ability to make him unlike anything you've ever seen. He can be, he can be wiser. 
he can be stronger. He'll be faster. He's the world's first bionic man. Can I just go ahead and tell you that there is a bionic doctor in the building today? And if you have crashed, if you have broken down, if you have fallen apart, that this doctor, not only can he put you back together, but he can, he can make you better than what you was. I got all these old cushy seats and, and stuff like that. And, 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 and come here, uh, Fred and Maya. Come here real quick. Hurry up. Fast, fast. Babies, come here, Tracy. Send them down here real quick. And we're almost done. I promise some of you saying, I ain't never come back. He ain't going to never get back. You ain't. Well, you wasn't here no way. You worried about when I'm done? You ain't here no way. Sit down on the floor. Sit down on the floor. Come on. Bring up. Sit down here, Tracy. Sit down here. Sit down on the floor. Sit on the floor. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Sit down. Come here. Come here. Come here. Uh -huh. Come on. Come on down here. Sit on the floor. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Come on down. There you go. There you go. Come on, come on down. That's right, that's right. Come on down here. Don't ever be frustrated. Come on, to work for the Lord. Come on, now. I need you. Now I want y'all to sit in a circle. Bring it in a circle. Bring it in a circle. Is, is it is the battery giggle low? Don't worry about it. They wasn't watching no way. Now, this was Jesus. This was Paul. And they had hundreds around them. Ain't no comfortable chair here. If I took the chairs out, y'all ain't coming back. Y'all might as well don't even lie about it. He done lost his mind. He done took the child. He took the chairs. Have they tested him lately? You know he used to like it. He took the girl. He took the chairs. Sold them. Told everybody, get on the floor like they did in the biblical days. I ain't never going back there no more. I knew something went right with him. You can't trust no pastor. Don't wear no suit. No way. This is how he talked for hours and hours and hours. But they were given to the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they wanted to know about this Lord. They wanted to know about this Jesus. They didn't say, you think it's going to rain? If it's going to be rain, we can't go out. Guess what? Woo! 86 degrees, that's too hot to be having church outside. What do you mean we won't have church outside? We're gonna put the, don't go to hell if 86 degrees is too hot for you. Don't go to hell. It's a tad bit hotter from what I read. This is how they set. This is how they set. Do you know why I picked them instead of you to come down here and do that? Because every one of you would have rebelled against me. You want me to do what? Okay, so... Is this you? Do you really think it's going to get somebody saved? Because there's got to be a good reason that I get down on the floor. Huh? But what would you have done when Jesus was here because he didn't have all this? And he didn't have a microphone. And he sat back and he proclaimed the things of God. And the Apostle Paul proclaimed the things of God without a microphone, without a fancy suit. He said, because I don't know and not excellent to speak. He said, I come to you talking as plain as I can because this thing ain't about me. So I'm not caught up with you being caught up with my excellence to speak. I come to bring you power. I will give you power. Yeah. Come in here. And from the moment that we get here, y'all can go back. Thank you. From the moment that we get here, from the moment that the praise team starts singing, the clock starts ticking. Everybody's like, we're going to be out here at a certain time. Who was that? Somebody asked me, why don't we have the power that we had at those shows? Was it you? 
Because that's usually said, why, what happened? What happened? We don't have the power that we have at the old church. That was Shamika. Shamika said, why don't we have the power that we had at the old church? I said, because one of the reasons they keep rushing us out. I don't see nobody saying that. Oh, they saying something. <sighs> Hurry up and get done. Hurry up and get done. Watch how you let Satan use you. Watch how you let Satan use you. This ought to be the one place where you ought to come in here and say, until we're done. And as long as I'm learning, and as long as the word is going forth, I'm going to sit here and get it because I need it. Because I got a cold world waiting out there for me for the next six days. Stand to your feet. Let's get you out of here.